Fit for Life Radio, episode number 135. And today, your regular hosts, I'm Gary, here with Will. What up? And we have special guest, Dexter Moore. So hard not to say Dexter Morgan. Dexter Morgan. Sure you've heard, sure you know all about that. Um, he is an ACE CPT functional training specialist, pose method running technique specialist, uh, run coach, and you also recently, what uh, what'd you say you also? Yeah, I recently got my RRCA or Roadrunners Coaches of America certification, which is a pretty popular running certification as well, focusing more on building out a plan versus technique, which is what Pose Method is. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we wanted to have Dexter on today because he also is in the area here with us in Hampton Roads, Coastal Virginia. He coaches some at Orange Theory and um, Rock Training. Yes, sir. Over there. So, and I know a lot of our listeners and a, a lot of people at our gym uh, run as a hobby and sport. And while a lot of times people will, if you listen to a lot of our podcasts, think we hate any cardio or running, it's really, we, we, for the most part, speak to people trying to lose weight and get started with limited time. And we believe a foundation of resistance training uh, is important. So if you have, you know, two hours a week, hey, let's get into 45-minute resistance training sessions and focus on walking, right? Um, Hey, you got more time? Let's fill it in with stuff you enjoy. That could be running. It could be wanting to get into, um, you know, racing, things like that. And that's where now we have Dexter here. to Let's dive into some of those extra things. Um, I know one of the things I'm most interested in is the pose running method uh, because, you know, Running, and we're also going to dive into <clears throat> feet, shoes, barefoot stuff. Sure. Uh, something that always stood out to me was, you know, when you're a kid, you don't think about any of this stuff. Um, you just do it, baby. But we also kind of have our me- mechanics probably a little more naturally and not wrecked yet. Um, so with running, uh, it's probably twofold right the reason a lot of us can go run so far and do all these things is we have big cushiony shoes but then they also shift our body and our mechanics which then can lead to issues so yes just kind of dive in maybe with um you know some of your thoughts what you've seen your experiences um and also a little bit how you got into running because naturally you're you're a pretty big muscular guy right so i always find it funny like so, so like diego and i we're naturally thin and small and actually uh was very good at running and sprinting and and it's probably what my body type is made for but i'm like i gotta be big and strong <laughs> and then um then it's the converse you maybe <laughs> maybe some of that comes easier and then the running is really something you you know dove into yeah and that's that's actually pretty true you know i gain weight and put on muscle pretty easily but uh, you know i just wanted to run i started running after my first spartan race which was way back in 2012 you know, went out there, I played soccer my whole life, felt like mm-hmm. I was pretty fit. You know, I was lifting a lot back then, but that was more, you know, young man style lifting. So <laughs> lots of bench press. Yeah. The, the bro lifting, man. Yeah. So I went out there um, thinking that I was going to do really well. I was thinking top 10 mm-hmm. and um, ended up like 115th, uh, got passed by a couple women which is no big deal generally, except that they start 15 minutes after us. Yeah. So oh, they like caught up and then also <laughs> passed me. But um, it was because my running was so poor. You know, I just didn't have the engine for it. And uh, yeah, that changed my entire training. At that point, I was less worried about putting on muscle and I was more concerned about just becoming more all around fit, which what I needed more than anything was to increase my aerobic mm-hmm. base and specifically with yeah. running because that's what I wanted to do. So how old were you at this time? Uh, 2012. Yeah. Man. So 10 years ago. That's yeah, 10 years. 10 years, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, so I was like 26 years okay. old. Yeah. So and one thing too, there's always the little things too. You got to play soccer. Grow, did you play soccer growing up as a kid? Yeah. So that's where a lot of people too see if they didn't have. That's a foundation of aerobic base, right? That we develop through fun with without any thought. without even working. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah. So so then cool. So you had that first race. And then that really that humble pie. Yeah. Yeah. And I found from there and this was a common theme growing up also in playing soccer is that when I was running, if I was running hard on a trail, it was like a 50 50 uh, chance that I was going to roll my ankle Mm -hmm. happened all the time. Uh, Eventually I got fed up, 
and decided to kind of dig more into it. You know, I was yeah. already a functional training specialist at that point and felt like I should be able to figure this out. This is, you know, part mm-hmm. of my job description. This mm-hmm. is what I do. And I came to the conclusion that I was just so unstable in my feet and my hips mm-hmm. because of just how I, you know, grew up my whole life, you know, always wearing basketball shoes or soccer shoes and oftentimes shoes that were too small because I wanted to continue wearing them and my feet were just all jammed together, unstable, weak, and uh, that got me into barefoot style shoes, which to go back to running form, um, it made me realize there was a perception of people were what people thought they were supposed to be doing while they were running, their perception Mm -hmm. of running was wrong. And that is because of, you know, popular running shoes. Well, Mm -hmm. then like big chunky shoes, I mean, we we can land on our heel. If you tell someone to go run barefoot, you automatically- You're not heel striker, man. Don't heel, you're not running the same way you are with those shoes. Well, funny thing about that is in personal experience and practice, you know, I've taken people who are runners and big time heel strikers and put them bare feet on asphalt and oftentimes they'll still heel strike. Wow. Because that, that movement pattern is so ingrained. Well, I guess yeah, if you do it ingrained. often, yeah. then it is. Yeah, yeah, it's ingrained. If I were to do it, I mean, it's no know, way. The neural, like you said, the movement pattern, our nervous system is so wired for it. And a lot of people, too, uh, pain's not a roadblock for them, right? So exactly. they're just like, okay, I'll deal with this. Yeah. And especially runners. Yeah. Oh, big yeah. time. Yeah, I'm a baby, man. So am I. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, that feels kind of weird. Let me stop for a second. Yeah. yeah. Like extra, like people be like, "Do you do desercher squats?" And I'm like, "Nah, I mean, bro. They may be great, but I like my elbows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want my skin to rub." <laughs> so, um, but yeah, one thing I've always admired about you too is, and I people, it's hard for people to realize this. I think what makes the best coaches is that everything doesn't come easy, and you have obstacles and roadblocks because yes. that makes you want to learn more, and you kind of learn what works best. But even also with that token, is you even from afar, just, you know, not really like knowing you personally a ton, but uh, you practice what you preach, right? In, in this industry, unfortunately, and believe it or not, it's not always the case, no. right? Sure. Um, to like live the lifestyle and do that. So I think those are two foundational things that make a great coach is um, actually having struggles, not maybe necessarily being naturally the most gifted at, at cert- some of these things. And then, um, you know, truly believing in it, practicing, preaching all that good stuff. So. Yeah. My curiosity has always kind of guided my path with trading. So it's always been something like, I've got this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I work this out for myself? And then once I've worked it out for myself and, you know, found good methods to do so, I like to share it with Dude, people. 100%. Yeah. And a lot of trainers, like you were saying, are kind of the opposite. They'll see something and be like, okay, that's popular. That's trending. Let me learn this on a foundation level or, you know, a superficial level so that I can, you know, share 15, 30 second clips on the internet mm-hmm. about this thing that I kind of know about. And kind of care yeah. about, but really don't. So let me ask you this. If you get two people, one person is, they want to start running, they're new to it. And you also have one person who's been running a long time. They're into, you know, into it, the sport and the hobby. Would you, where would you start each of them? Would it be completely different? Or do you kind of strip either, everyone down to those foundational, maybe like, things, see where their uh, foot strike is, stride, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of coach runners two different ways. Um, if you are a straight up beginner, I'm ideally going to take you from the ground up. You know, we're going to work on your form. We're going to do lots of run, walk stuff, lots of drills just to kind of get this movement pattern drilled in so you can have a good base to start from. If you've already been running for a while and you want that help for whatever reason, you know, if you're hurt or your performance isn't where you want it to be, then yeah, definitely. Let's, you know, do a video analysis, let's see what you look like, and let's see how we can tweak your form, what we can cut away to make you more efficient. Um, but that's often not the case. You know, yeah. most of the time when experienced runners come to me and they want to train for a specific race, which is what I offer, they just want, you know, how far do I run? Mm-hmm. How fast do yeah. I run? What days Structure. do I run yeah. on? Yeah, they want the programming. Exactly. Which is cool with me also. You know, if you're not hurt and you don't want any, if you don't want that specific help, mm-hmm. you know, more power to you. But when you do, you know, <laughs> when you start cranking up that mileage, when you start cranking up that intensity and you start to feel a little funky, then, you know, come on back. We'll talk yeah. about, again, what you can cut away, how you can become, you know, more injury resilient and stop asking your body to do things that it's not meant to do so you're less prone to injury from, yeah. you know, from that standpoint. Do you see that runners 
dude try to like every run is like I'm gonna try to get one second faster and, and so they're pushing their max intensity all the time and and that you have to pull them away from that yeah almost always yeah that's I mean that's an intuitive it really is. you know thing like if I and it's, you kind of see it in strength training also it's you know you think progressive overload you're like mm -hmm. I'm gonna run this pace today I'm gonna go you know five seconds faster next week five seconds mm -hmm. faster next week next week and my body should be making these adaptations yep but with running, that's not how it works, unfortunately. No. I mean, you've got different energy systems that you have to train individually to maximize the benefit of yeah. each. And uh, the recovery of nervous system. Yeah. And yeah, I was getting to say, yeah, running is so demanding. Yeah. You know, you need a little more, you know, recovery time between those thousands of reps that you just did per run. And I think that's something that people forget or just completely overlook. They're like, oh, it's just running. Like, recovery is not very hard because I wasn't lifting weights or anything. But it's rough on you. Yeah. It's rough on everything. Depending on how fast you're running and what your form looks like, every step you're taking on two to three to five to maybe even seven times your body weight per landing. Yeah. And that sounds like work to me, again, for thousands of reps. Yeah. Yeah. That's why a lot of times I always find it interesting, you know, because uh, being in the gym setting, people a lot of times they'll think I need to get in shape to go to the gym. You know, but resistance training is actually great because it's super progressible in that, uh, yeah, if you can't do a push up, you know, maybe your body weight's a lot and it's limiting you, you can lay down and do a, a dumbbell bench press with 10 pounds and progress from there. So, whereas running, it is a body weight activity, right? So, if you maybe um, have a lot of extra body fat, that's actually, you, you have to now deal with that. Whereas in reality, if you drop that, then it makes these like body weight activities. Um, a little more efficient and easier and things like that. Yeah, absolutely it does. So back with the shoes, the feet. Um, so you you personally, I know, do you wear like Vivos and um, uh, what's what's the one that Ben wears all the time? Zeros. Zeros and yeah, there's a couple of different brands I wear. Yeah. Um, I wear Vivos more than anything. You know, they've got the biggest selection. Same. Yeah. It's the best style. I think they look looking. the best. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a, actually a company kind of locally here out of Richmond called Kinnis mm -hmm. that makes some pretty stylish barefoot style oh, shoes I've never well. heard of them. Yeah, so th uh, check them out if you I, haven't seen them. I got them. the Splay. Yeah, it's actually. They're, they're like just little canvas ones. That's what I got too. But yeah. I like them. They got good like ground feel. and These are actually, I haven't seen those. Probably yeah, like my them. favorite as far as feel goes and comfort. Dude, they're yeah. hands down the best. Like yeah. you put them on, you're like, like a glove. Yeah. Yeah. So d did you notice an improvement when you kind of, you know, you had those issues with your ankles and feet and when you switched kind of your shoe type? Yeah, I'll say from, you know, the jump, I haven't sprained my ankle since. Yeah. And this was, I made the switch over to barefoot style shoes in 2017 uh, after a terrain race out in Virginia Beach. But yeah, sprained my ankle for the last time, switched over. I was wearing the Merrill Vapor Glove yeah. at the time, but there weren't tons of options. Nah, back I had those too. Yeah. yeah. Those didn't necessarily have the wide toe box, but they had like the zero drop and yeah. good ground feel and everything. Well, they were significantly wider than the it, well, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Better than the Nikes, man. Yeah. <sighs> That's yeah. the funny thing. Now I'm used to, you know, the the barefoot shoes, but yeah, even then their toe box was still way wider than Nike and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I certainly have, you know, I always thought I had, you know, mostly flat feet mm -hmm. over the past couple of years. I've definitely developed some arch, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, it's obvious, like when I'm sitting down looking at my feet, I can see a, a pretty good arch there. Yeah. Um, and that's that's one thing I don't think people realize is um, it's tough. It's like a vicious cycle of like I have no arch, I need support. Well, you have no arch, you need support because you know you're weak and you're you because you always have support, right? So it's like it's tough because to get it's like hyponatremia, right? Like a symptom of getting close to that of overhydration is thirst, you know? So you think you need more water. Yeah. Um, so well, I don't yeah. think people realize that, you know, your arch is a network of muscles. Mm -hmm. So they think it's just something you're born with or you don't, and it's just the shape of your foot, but really it's a network of muscles. Mm -hmm. So when yeah. those muscles are lax, your arch flattens out, Yeah. you know, because of all that support, never having them do any work, your arch flattens out, mm -hmm. your feet roll in, your knees roll in, your hips roll in, all that fun stuff. Then your feet turn out and then you're all messed up. Yeah. And then um, you're going and running. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you're seriously running and you're doing yeah. the run where like, you know, your mm. system is so internally rotated that when you run, like your leg spins around to the Oh, the kick around. Yeah. Oh, you, you man. Know what's interesting I notice when I see, because this is the problem when you know, and I only know a little bit of this stuff, you know a lot, so I'm sure. But so say, yeah, you're out anywhere and you see someone running. Woo! 
you, you notice these things. Oh, right? my I'll God. See, and I'll see people, when I do see that, it's it's interesting because a lot of times it's just one, one leg. leg that yeah. does that weird little, like, kick out. Yeah. Um, but you guys look. know as strength coaches that, you know, we're super, you know, we're not symmetrical. No. Yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, somewhere there ends up being compensation and then it just digs in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, but on the flip side, when you see someone running and it looks like the most effortless thing. It's, it's actually fun it to makes watch. You, it makes you want to go run. Yeah. You know, I'll see people running when it looks effortless. I'm like, oh, yeah. Man. Then you see the next guy who it, looks like he's in pain and you're yeah. like, are you, are you having a good time at all? Yeah, and you, I mean, you can, it's a clear difference, right? Like, mm-hmm. you see someone Very. running well, and you're like, man, that looks awesome. You see and it looks smooth. Like, that looks like pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they always look, like, rough, and their mechanics are just kind of, mm-hmm. they're just getting through it. Yeah. So is that, um, for you as a coach, with, so go go into the, the pose method a little, you know. Yeah, because I don't know what that is at all, so yeah. I'm actually eager to hear. And is that something that, you, again, you stumbled on with maybe maybe some issues you were having and or just your curiosity? Um, let's hear about that. Yeah. So, you know, I've got that functional training background and I was looking to improve my running. You know, I had that major Spartan race fail. I was looking to just get better at running and I've always been just like a reader. So if I, you know, I wonder about something, I'm going to find the best books about it and I'm going to, you know, take it all in. And I found Poe's method, you know, the running revolution is what the book was called by Dr. Romanov. And basically, it's like a systematic way to break down running into practicable elements where you can improve each piece and then put it all together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as strength coaches, that's appealing. It is. You know, I Absolutely. Want to be able to back the move <laughs> yeah. off. I want to be able to train, you know, just the pull. I want to be able to train, you know, just the press, mm-hmm. you know, train just holding, you know, that rack position with, you know, good, you know, postural alignment. And that's what post method ended up being for running. You know, it took... Dr. Romanov took, you know, uh, thousands of runners, was watching video mm-hmm. and noticed that, you know, while people say that everybody runs differently, there are certain elements that yeah. every single runner does. Yep. They're invariable. There's three of them. It's the pose position, which is what everything's based off of. You've got your runner's pose, and that's when you're in your single leg stance and mm-hmm. all your body weight multiplied by your speed is on that one leg. And you've got this springy S-like position Um, almost like a figure four down low. Mm -hmm. That's your pose position. Okay. From there, in order to move forward, you have to fall from support. So the fall is when people say lean a lot, Mm -hmm. but that's a, I think think that's bad language. You can like bend over at the waist and lean forward and that's not moving you anywhere. You literally have to shift your body weight forward. So you're positioning yourself against gravity so that it actually moves you forward. So that's the fall. And then from there, you have to pull your leg up off of the ground. So pull from support. That's how you get air bounds. And then pulls target. So where you're trying to pull when you pull your foot up off the ground is you're pulling your foot up under your hip. Mm-hmm. Your other foot automatically drops back down. And boom, you're back in that pose position yeah. where you fall forward, pull that leg up to switch, fall forward, pull that leg up to switch. And that's all that running is. And the more you deviate from that, the less efficient you're going to be and the higher chance of injury you yeah. have. And when you're running longer distances, that efic- efficiency plays a big role in your times and things like that, right? Because if you have to use more energy, you're gonna get tired quicker, right? And form breaks down and yeah. yeah. I know for me, a mistake I would always make was coming from uh, in high school running as a sprinter, you, you almost, uh, it feels like your extra effort is like bigger strides. But I know now it's really, you're just hitting with more force and moving further kind of eat you know right each step but you think kind i want to reach for this bigger stride so then if i went to do longer distance it's like let me get into this gazelle like bigger stride and it's that's n- not right <laughs> in my running clinics um because i know people think that that's a super common mm-hmm. theme uh with sprinters is to you know knee drive like drive that knee up mm-hmm. and then reach out to create a nice long stride so you can cover more ground per stride so in my running clinics, I actually have a video of Usain Bolt, you know, fastest mm-hmm. man in the world, and I have it broken down, I have it in slow motion, and we kind of go through his entire stride. And you can see that every single stride, he lands right under a center of gravity. Mm-hmm. So he's not reaching out, he's not knee driving, he's pulling his foot up off the ground, he's falling forward, pulling into that pose position. Yeah. And what makes him so fast is two things he lands really close to that post position. 
So when people say you don't want to overstride, you want to land closer to your center of gravity, the idea of that is you want to land closer to that post position, you know, because that is your center of gravity. So he gets from, you know, his initial contact to the ground to post position almost immediately. And then what makes him, you know, where the speed comes from is the fall. So the more aggressive your fall angle, the faster you're going to go. That means you've... uh, positions your body weight further in front of you mm-hmm. so that when you pull up off the ground to change support legs, you're going to be in flight longer and you're going to cover more ground in that stride. Yeah. So his fall angle is like 21.5 degrees and like the maximum fall angle possible before someone would actually fall over is 22.5 degrees. So he's wow. right really on yeah. the edge of as far as you can be. And you think a lot of that at those elite levels, too, is some of it's just like your body structure, you know, those kind of genetics that play a role. Like with Michael Phelps with swimming, like he has webbed webbed feet and webbed hands and a short torso but long limbs to where when you get into these angles that are not that help and then specific sports like he also had Mm -hmm. probably has some of those things going for him. Yeah, I'm sure being the tallest runner out there, his center of gravity is a little bit higher Mm -hmm. and um that makes his fall cover more ground pretty yeah. much. So he actually has a lower cadence than most of the runners out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and through analysis, we see that it's because his pull is a little bit late, which is why his cadence is a little bit lower, and also likely why he got that hamstring injury when he was training. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's super interesting to kind of break it all down. We did the same thing with Elliot Kipchoge, or Elliot Kipchoge, mm-hmm. the uh, you know sub-two-hour marathoner and mm-hmm. world record marathon holder. And his fall angle is like 18-something and uh, to put like that in perspective, because you know people think marathon, mm-hmm. he's not running that fast. Oh, when you bro, when that clip. <laughs> so when I was uh, I was living in LA for a couple years, and they had a some like major marathon there come through. So people from all over, and we went. We were right near the finish line and watching. So probably we were probably like four hundred yards before the finish, and. Uh, when these dudes ran by, I mean, it's a full-out sprint, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. It's uh, no joke. And this is 20, you know, four, what is it, 24, 26, 26 miles in. And um, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, to break it down for people is to put it in, like, smaller chunks for them. I let them know he's doing 200 meters in under 35 seconds. You know, I'm like, how many of y'all can do one 200 meters in 35 <laughs> yeah. seconds? Yeah, and then repeat for how many times? Yeah. yeah. Dude, that's crazy. My, my brain always – the is able to wrap around like 400 meters. 400 is what i even just running 400 meters in in one minute is like you know not many people can do that you know it's not definitely not elite right but then when you see that these guys are in like a world records around you know 46 or something like that and uh you know like elite high schoolers are running it in you know 50 or whatever and so yeah these guys are running what a clip of 400 meters for like a a minute 10. Yeah, it's insane. You know, for how many laps over 100. <laughs> yeah. Over 100 laps. Yeah, it's wild. And if yeah, if you, if you don't know, go ahead and go out to a Go track, run a 400, man. Time yourself and then see 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 where that is. And so. If you hit 1 minute, you're going to be sucking wind. Yeah. Yes. Most people their qua- both their hamstrings are probably going to snap. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They haven't been running. So, what do you think uh is there like you know, two or three or four strength training, resistance training exercises that you really like for runners to, you know, uh, whether it be like help improve their running time or just like, you know, prevent imbalances. Do you got any go-tos with that? Yeah, I, uh, first of all, I really like single leg stuff, mm-hmm. just like you said, to help yeah, out with those muscle imbalances. And I like slow eccentric, mm-hmm. so for almost anything. So, um you know, bench step ups yeah. with a slow eccentric, you know, really focusing on sitting back into that hip, mm-hmm. you know, not letting your heel come up on the way down is an awesome exercise for runners to strengthen hip yeah. stability. And um, if you're listening, the eccentric phase of exercise is typically when like the muscles lengthening. Yeah, the lowering. The lowering phase. So on like a dumbbell bench press, it's when you're lowering the dumbbells. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And then a single leg deadlift. Mm-hmm. So on that one, you'd be you know, hinging forward slowly, back leg staying in line with your upper body, and then come back up with, at a regular yeah. tempo. It's like three seconds down, pause, one second back up. It's normally what I prescribe for uh, those single leg deadlifts, as well as those bench step ups with that slow mm-hmm. lower on the way back down. Yeah, we love a uh, big part of our program is like 
a ver- split squat and its variations, yeah. you know, eventually progress into like a rear foot elevated split squat. Um, even like two, I don't know if you played around with like the kind of Bulgarian deadlifts. It's like a single leg. It's like a, it looks like it's a, the same we, setup as a Bulgarian split squat, but, yeah. um, but you and you just hinge instead. back. Yeah. I saw um, Ryan Fish doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I was, I was messed up his name, but, uh, mm-hmm. he's moving some serious weight on that move also, but I haven't given it a shot yet. Yeah. They're, they're, good. they're good. Uh, Doing like a B stance or a staggered stance is a little more like accessible for people because sometimes the setup on anything where your foot's up can be a little shady. So, um, but they're pretty dope. They're fun. Well, we'll see. I've done a staggered stance. That's a regular move that I do with mm-hmm. kettlebells, mm-hmm. but I haven't gone elevated yet. Yeah. So, what about also um, where should people start, right? Because I think a lot of times when people do want to decide to go running or they're get a race, they pick a race they're going to do and then, okay, I need to train for it. And yeah, people, they're your natural thing. Well, I'm going to go out, I'm going to run two miles. And I did it today in, uh, you know, 40 minutes, right? So next time I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to do it in 39 minutes and 27 seconds, right? Uh, what, what, do you, what do you like for like, uh, well, where should their mindset be? Should they have like a, a easy run, a, a hard run, you know, schedule yeah. kind of. And like push. how often too? Like what frequency for someone who's just starting? So... The number one coaching answer is always it depends. It, I, was say, I, knew, I knew that was it, coming because I would say the I, same I, thing. I realized I just was, we talked beforehand about how when we're when a lot of times when you hear stuff like this, we, you do want to simplify for people. Yeah. But a trade off of simplifying information is is giving up nuance, right? Yeah. So obviously you, it depends on the race, it depends on their experience. Um, so I'll make it easier for you. Yeah. So someone has they have not been running at all, or they haven't ran in the last ten years. They picked a five k to run for. Um, it's you know three months away, where do they start? They have no injuries, no limitations. Um, where do they start? So ideally, we're going to start with running form. You know, if you've got that down already, then we can you know, really start talking about programming. Um, with three months out, we're looking at about 12 weeks. So ideally, I'm going to put them on a one month or you know, four week mm-hmm. base building cycle. And for them, you know, being brand new runners, not lots of running experience, they're going to be doing all or almost all run-walk mm-hmm. intervals. But the runs need to be at an easy pace as well. So lots of times when people hear intervals, they're thinking, okay, I got to go as yeah. hard as I can for whatever distance this is, and then I get to recover. Yeah. And normally those intervals start to decline as they go further and further in. But for this specific athlete who's just starting out, we're going to be doing interval training, but it's easy running and walking, mm-hmm. easy running and walking. Nothing should be super challenging yet because we're building that aerobic base. We want to stay in a lower heart rate zone, in aerobic heart rate zone, not create tons of metabolic waste products. Um, yeah, aerobic heart rate a good is a good uh, good conversational pace. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you, you could you could talk if if you wanted to. Yeah, maybe say the pledge of allegiance or the alphabet yeah. or you know test that people uh, use often. But and if I, they have a heart rate monitor, technically it'd be like you know, l- l- less than 140 for most people or 120s is where you want them or um, obviously no, depends. Whatever your max heart rate is, yeah. you know, below like 83% of that. Yeah. Um, or if you have a friend, that's even better. Mm-hmm. You know, go out there and just keep it like, keep and it you cool. can talk the whole Chat time, the whole time. Yeah. You know, that definitely helps. So passing. the challenge in this is it's so hard. And this is probably where having a running coach helps as with any coaching, you know, the information we can find it for the most part anywhere. It's, being able to consistently do this stuff, right? Because then to go out and not just push yourself and trust the process, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's the real challenge, right? Yeah. 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 That's sure, certainly. I is. mean, it's like people in the gym, like not testing their one rep max every week. Mm-hmm. Like we know people want to do it and people think that like, hey, I need to grind away at this and it'll get better. But yeah, you know, all of us know that's not the, it's so, not the method. So they're, they're run walking. Uh, now, do they do this every day, a couple times a week? couple times a week you know we want to give a stimulus so you've got mm-hmm. the workout on monday for example and then you want to get give your body a chance to recover so tuesday yeah. you're off mm-hmm. wednesday you're on thursday you're off so maybe start out at three times a week and uh, maybe after two to three weeks of that we can start introducing a little more volume if you feel like you know, if you can fit it into your schedule mm-hmm. um but with those three days how i would break them up is that one day would be you know, maybe 30 minutes to start the other day, maybe 30 minutes as well. And then one day a week, I want you to try to go a little bit longer. 
So I might go 45 minutes to start out, but still those run walk intervals. So mm -hmm. the runs will still be short and easy. You may just have longer walking intervals in between or more intervals all around mm -hmm. just to uh, give you more time on feet. Yeah. You know, spend more time out there moving your body. I think that's one thing people forget about is, you know, our bodies have to adapt and not just, you know, we have joints, tendons, ligaments, all these things. So if you just go out there and go hard, um, you know, it's, it's tough on, on all those different aspects and yeah. we have to train them up and, you know, give, give them a chance to, to strengthen and progress as well. Yeah. Our heart, our lungs, our brain's ability to, you know, handle the stresses of mm -hmm. training mm -hmm. develops significantly faster than our body structures. Yeah and their ability to handle the training, which is, you know, one of the reasons yeah. why so many people get injured doing too much too soon is because their heart, mm -hmm. you know, physically yeah. and figuratively is ready to go, but uh, everything else. Isn't. Then the issue with that is then people blame running for their injury. Yeah. And it's like, or say, yeah, someone does a deadlift and hurts herself and they blame the deadlift, right? When the reality is like, the answer is probably in our recovery, you know, in our, you know, for the most part, it's probably yeah, in our recovery or in our progression, right? It's not necessarily the deadlift. Maybe you didn't get enough sleep or you, you try to use too much weight too soon or you haven't, you haven't become proficient on the movement. Like you said, our, our brain, we haven't um, processed it and kind of really dialed it into where it's almost automatic. And, you know, again, it's very nuanced, right? You can't really put a thumb on it, but the reality is the exercise shouldn't, shouldn't necessarily get the bad rap, right? Yeah. It's all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that's what we're fighting against, right? Because there is so many messages of quick fix and, you know, you know, improve your time by five minutes, you know, in a week, I'm sh you know, and then people, yeah, who wouldn't want to believe that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and my, I always try to notice when I fall for these traps and other things, you know, like, oh, I want my yard to look nice, you know, and you go like do something once and you're like, why doesn't it look like a golf course, you know? <laughs> Well, then you dive in and, oh, it's a process and you need to do all this and you got to do it at the right time and it takes a year, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, well, it's just like, you know, fitness and, and all this. It's so, all the same. Yeah. Then people are like, oh, well, I don't want to do it then. It, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. So then it comes down to, well, find your why, right? Like, were you, were you having, were you trying to use running to solve uh, the fact that maybe you like hate your job and you want to change it, right? It's not going to fix that. But do you want to run to have a hobby where you gain confidence and it gives you some mental clarity and uh, improves your cardiovascular health? Um, now, all of a sudden, when you start defining these whys and giving yourself, you know, good reasons, um, it's it's super healthy hobby. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always like to tell my runners as well, all my athletes, is, you know, I love running for the mental benefits. I love it for the cardiovascular benefits. I love it because, you know, it's just like a fundamental human movement. You know, it's yes. part of the reason why we're here today. But I don't love it for weight loss. Yeah. You know, ideally, if you're running well, if you're progressing well, you're becoming more and more efficient. Yeah. So yes. you're burning less calories yeah. per, you know, effort. It makes it harder. Yeah. yeah. That's and it's funny. People come at us all the time that we hate running no we just don't like it for fat loss weight loss right? and that's something that for us as a gym like that's kind of what we focus on is yeah. you know people that do want to change their body comp and running's not the answer for that and here's the and here's the real thing right and this is the whole problem with the fitness industry that a message we're trying to be more consistent on and get across is the problem then too is if you do start say something like running for that and yeah then when the weight loss doesn't happen well now you have a bad feeling about the running right and your expectations were misguided and now you're going to miss out on all these positive benefits for why you should be doing it right so we like people put it in two separate buckets because you want to relate you know exercise to a bunch of positive stuff to gaining strength to gaining physical capability to gaining cardiovascular health to gaining stress relief right because running if that help gives, gives you some stress relief it's a way better habit than having two or three drinks a day for stress relief, right? Of, you know, t alcoholic beverages. So you want to associate all the positives with exercise and keep it that way. And then, yeah, like dive into your nutrition, into, you know, some of our habits uh, with how we use food um, that may be holding us back from, from weight loss and, you know, address them separately so that exercise can stay, so that we, as a lifelong habit, because we're never like, blaming it for anything right and that's most people's uh 
yo-yo situation with exercise. They, they start it simply for weight loss. Doesn't happen. Well, they get frustrated. Yeah. Let me dump that. Um, or I hate it or, um, it's just a bunch of negative connotations. So, yeah. And that's where, you know, ultimately it's all, it's movement, you know, and we do have different systems of like, you have your muscular system, your cardiovascular system. So everything has a place. And yeah, some people are going to gravitate towards, Hey, I want to build more muscle or get way stronger. And yeah, they may spend more time with resistance training. And some people may want to, um, improve their cardiovascular system or they, you know, the endorphins that we get from competing and from, you know, endurance stuff is awesome. And we want to do more, you know, running and things like that. So then from there, it's just simply, okay, how much time do I have and how should I use this time? And, and then lining everything up. Yeah, I agree with, uh, do you do much, um, uh, I always want to say, uh, obstacle course racing. Are, are you still doing that much or, well, you uh, you know, when all the races got canceled, mm, yeah. you know, everything kind of backed off a little bit. And they also introduced this event called DECA, mm-hmm. Spartan Race Did. Have y'all heard of DECA? I've heard of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much it's uh, 10, 10 workout stations, things like uh, lunges and rowing and the ski erg machine mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. assault bike and sleds and all types of stuff like that. And there's three events. So one DECA Strong that just has those events, you know, back to back to back. You've got DECA Mile that has those events split up by a 160-meter run, and DECA Fit that has it split up by a 500-meter run. So it ends up being a mile or a 5K for the full-on DECA Fit. But DECA Mile specifically is what I feel like fits my wheelhouse the best. Yeah. You know, it takes a good amount of strength plus also a good amount of cardio. And I think that that is the event that I would excel in the most. So that's been kind of my focus right now. Okay. I'll definitely still go out and do a Spartan race. So I'm taking the team out to the Virginia race in October. I'm really looking forward to it. I also did the Virginia race last year, but I haven't done many recently, no. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when you get into sports and competing, they don't understand uh, the role that genetics play. And, you know, like, for example, gymnastics, right? People will think gymnastics makes you short. No, people who are short end up being better, you know, at it because of, you know, the nature of what's required, right? And it's interesting, like, uh, obstacle course racing, you know, because so watching it, I've been in the this industry for 17 years. So you see all the things come. Uh, it was very similar to CrossFit. And then the beginning, if you got into it early, yeah, if you were just kind of athletic and just uh, had a good work ethic, you, you, could do well and Mm -hmm. like really be a part of this. And then as it got more popular, more money got involved. Then you start getting like these elite athletes or people with skill sets that match up really well. And then all of a sudden it's just both of them, you know, through the roof, right? To where CrossFit, like everyone in there is like an NFL running back type physique Mm -hmm. and like framework. And then in the uh, obstacle course racing, um, all of a sudden, if you got anyone with just enough like strength, but then they just had this world-class aerobic capacity, then they're just, I mean, you, you dominating. Just yeah, that's what happened. You know, top these off. like, you know, trail runners, uh, these other types of endurance athletes just, you know, started lifting some weights mm-hmm. and then boom, they're like peak obstacle course racing athletes, mm-hmm. you know, do some pull-ups, you know, get stronger. Yeah. And they're just smoking the course. Yeah. And then, you know, people that do it for fun end up, you know, everyone, like, they lose the fun because they think maybe, like, they have to work harder, they're doing something wrong, right? And it's just the reality is competition in, in sports is competitive. Yeah. Right? And and you, you can't necessarily, like, blame blame yourself, you know, for... for yeah, like, uh, I'm not going to get mad I'm not yeah. in the NFL. It's just yeah. not, I'm just NBA, not cut out yeah. for it, man. Speaking of which, if you can ever uh, convince, D, you know, Diego, mm-hmm. um, so he has... His, like, aerobic capacity and just nature for that stuff is, like, insane. Yeah, like, he just uh, he just retains it without ever but, training but it. But just like that, he's never been that interested because it's always come very natural to him, right? Yeah. He's like, I got to be, you know, more muscle. So, but I remember we ran a, uh, we did a team uh, relay for the One City Marathon a couple years ago. And our thing was, like, we wanted to get across a point that none of us were had been running, but we were all, like, a good body composition, which is a big component to efficiently running. And to show people, hey, if you're just healthy and fit, it makes your body very capable to do a lot of things well, right? 
So uh, myself, Diego, Kristen, and Ben, mm -hmm. we did a team and ran it. And we actually ended up getting, you know, we had no training or anything. We got second for the team, uh, whatever we fell under. And, uh, yeah, it was fun, but we had Diego do the long leg. It was like a... <laughs> Uh, from like Mitchell High School to I want to say how many it was miles was it? Probably like Se eight, oh, seven, yeah, seven or eight, that seven eight mile leg. Again, we we didn't train for it or nothing. Which I, which leg did you take, I, man? I took the last. <laughs> I took like the uh, four or five mile. The leg. last one, the finish line leg. Yeah, yeah the get all the glory. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> the business owner leg. Yeah. Um, and dude, Diego clipped this thing out in like so, like a six minute mile clip. That's you know. balling. <laughs> I was just like, he just got it like that. And I had the time, so I'm waiting, and I'm kind of timing out where I think everyone would be. And, and, we'll and you see him flying. <laughs> and basically, he caught like we get it like really early, and I'm like, I, th I think we're in like first place, you know. <laughs> um, and then I got nervous, but uh, and I was like, well, just, just <laughs> I don't want no one passing me, and I, uh, evidently like one one person did because we got second, but um, but yeah, so he's it's insane. And he had said before we even before he moved out here because he's from Mexico how he did um, an obstacle course race. Again, same thing. He kind of trained for it, randomly did it, and, like, did really well. And, yeah, if he nerd, if he wanted to and dove Oh, he that, could kill it. Um, but, again, yeah, and one time when we were uh, – so I hired him right before I moved. So I wasn't ever really there when he started – when mm -hmm. he was there much. Yeah. And we would do uh, – at Coastal, every now and then we'll do, like, uh, these timed kind of, like, ladder-type things where it would be, like, uh, you know – a, a run distance, then you come in and do like some burpees and then like, uh, you know, an air bike and you start maybe like 20 reps and go down to 15 and 10, you know, with the, the run. So yeah, cardio kind of challenge that's around like 10 to 15 minutes. And, you know, mine's like decent, right? So he, he was talking all this smack while we were gone. And um, I'm like, a lot of smack. He's like, oh, when you come back, we need to, you know, race and do this. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can, you know. And then Will, I'm texting Will about it. I'm like, man, he's real confident. And Will's like, Dude, I see, I seen him do st do some things. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it, and, be nervous. And yeah, and I was like, nah, man, there's no way. His motor, bro. And then we get going doing it, and after like the first round, you, you know, knew. Like, and his he runs past me, he's ahead of me, and he has this calm look on his face, and I was just like, dude, I'm gonna die. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's his wheelhouse. But if you were to sprint, yeah, 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 yeah. like he just we'll doesn't do have that fast twitch. Yep. Um, you know, majority of that like I am a pretty fast sprinter. You're a sprinter. Mm -hmm. Um, but our endurance is kind of garbage yeah. compared to him. So, yeah, so where are you at mentally with, you know, you are a competitive dude. You did fall into this by doing a race. Now you're a coach. Um, you obviously get to have athletes race, and, and, like, that's a great feeling. Um, you're still obviously seeking things that fit in your wheelhouse of, you know, your, your running and your, and your biceps. But, um, but are you able to maybe when you were younger, did you maybe struggle with that? Um, are you at, like, a – cool place now and yeah where, where's your competitive you know mindset at i need it i have to compete it's i think competition uh doing races is what drives my fitness more than anything you know it keeps me the most motivated when i have something on the calendar that's when i'm the most focused on my training and that's also what i try to share with uh my athletes mm -hmm. you know if you're coming to my gym if you're doing my 5k training programs it's to kind of get you into the competition mode yeah. to have some non-scale goals mm -hmm. to help keep you motivated throughout yeah. your fitness journey you know i know you guys focus a lot on body composition mm -hmm. i don't really yeah you know i pretty much just focus on turning my athletes into better stronger more confident athletes you know? mm -hmm. even just more confident in the gym which i know is something that you all work on also oh, big time yeah. just giving people you know the confidence to go you know pick up a barbell yeah. or you know go try the heavier dumbbells um I think, again, just competition yeah. gives people permission to care more about what they're doing yeah. and yep. to push a little bit harder. Yeah. So I, I love competing still. Yeah. And there's different – and it's funny because, you know, yeah, our gyms are opposite in that regard. And one thing I've always seen – and that's – we talk about nuance, right? There's plenty of people who um, competition makes them not do anything, right, and they shy away. And that's okay. Like you can do this as – uh, fitness can be part of your life, like uh, hygiene, right? right. And, and and it should be at some uh, a base because we know the benefits of it. And if you don't do anything because you because you're you know not competitive, then uh, you, it some people need the, that voice too, right? And at the same time, by saying that, like so, I've had to simplify that kind of to my message. 
And then people think that means I'm saying like competition is bad. You're, you're like, anti-competition. No, I just want people to hear that if you don't want to compete in powerlifting, if you don't want to compete in obstacle like racing, it's cool, man. you can still do these things and it's okay, right? Um, but the reality is it's, it's ironic. I'm super competitive. Um, now for me, being, you know, b- uh, business and some of the aspects that go into that, or it's very, it can be very competitive, and you you have to have a mindset like that because if you you either growing or you're dying, right? Sure. So I get a lot out of that, and then another thing for me that's been we I have a very hard time. Uh, not again, this, it's an awesome thing. It's been great for the fitness industry. Like I grew up playing sports, so I associate comp. So I can go do like kickball or volleyball uh, or even like running, and yeah, I, I want to win, right? Exercise, I have a very hard time turning into uh, a competition, competition, you know, so like CrossFit for me and I did it a few times in the beginning, like it was a weird, I just couldn't mentally like block out like thinking about certain things and then just competing and just doing with that form. So yeah, I think it's important for people to find um, some, you got to find some way of competing and for some people could just be um, in the like their actual exercise in the gym, maybe just trying to get better on your main lifts, right? But yeah, competition um, is super healthy and, you know, some form of it, um, whether it's through work or fitness or um, gaming, right? Uh, it's, you're gonna find an outlet some, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, for us, you know, in the running world specifically, competition isn't what it is in a lot of other places, you know, mm-hmm. because we're running these races and we know we're not going to win. Yeah. yeah we're not going to yeah. win the race. Competing with yourself. Yeah, yeah. So exactly what, you know, I try to instill in my athletes when we're doing these races is it's not about beating anybody else, but it's about using everybody else to bring out the best in yourself. Yeah. So, like you know, that. having someone to chase down will push you to run a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Having just the full on energy of the entire event, the adrenaline. Yeah. You can't run as fast as you can on a track in a time trial by yourself mm-hmm. as you can in a race. Yeah. It is. There's no it doubt. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And it's even more fun. So that's why I love, like, you have, so you're a running coach and you have your running group and everything's better with community, right? Exactly. And at the end of the day, in the world, the way the world's going now, and it's like more isolation, there's less uh, in-person stuff. Less communication. And the great thing about fitness is it's something you have to go out in the world and do, which then means there's places you have to be, which then means other people can come and you can create a community around it. So um, kind of talk about if someone, you know, yeah, what, yeah, how does your kind of like uh, running, because I know you also have like a, a, you know, a group, then, you know, Facebook group and y'all meet for runs and um, yeah, how, what's that like and kind of, you know, what you do with that? So I've got my, you know, gym, Coach Tech's mm-hmm. fitness, performance, endurance, and then outside of that, I've got the, run squad and that's what i really have the most fun with i'm um, just taking people from you know potentially never having done a 5k before and building them up to their first 5k which i only do the training groups for 5ks but i also take on individual athletes for whatever race and they're also part of the run squad just not for the that specific race yeah. but we'll choose a race so for example our next race that we're doing is going to be the 5k on the runway that's mm-hmm. at uh, phf or PFH. Oh, so the Newport News. Newport News, yeah. Uh, Newport News. What does that stand Pen- Peninsula. I, I've never known what it stands for. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it stands for. It either. doesn't match <laughs> up, but. No, it's Patrick Henry Flight. I don't know. That's close enough. I'm going to accept that as the answer. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, yeah, it's at the airport. Yeah, so, you know, we'll choose a race. And this next time up, we're going to go nine weeks out. And it'll be a nine-week training plan. I kind of have each athletes separated into a different group just depending on what their running history looks like that's cool and i give them their plan and i deliver it uh, through an app that's super easy to use i track their workouts i help them choose what their paces are mm-hmm. and that's you know their easy run paces mm-hmm. which should be most days and their hard run paces which are one days for some athlete or two days for other athletes just depending on again their running history and we build them up, you know, from wherever they're at to ideally their best performance on race day. And we meet at least once a week at the track to do, you know, it's a team hard workout. Having the rest of the team there really helps to keep you motivated oh, yeah. as well as um, to make you show up, you know, yeah. hold you accountable, accountable to actually yeah. showing up. And then we'll have, you know, a couple other meetings uh, throughout the couple of months leading up to the race also. Talk about best race strategies and mm-hmm. 
you know, clothing, nutrition, all that good stuff. Yeah. And if you're curious, I also think your uh, Instagram. So we just we talked about beforehand, like how hard it is to post on social media. And if you're naturally not an extroverted person, it's like you can get in your own head about everything. But your Instagram is like, I think, super helpful. And, and you know, it's interesting. Um, so at Coach Dex underscore 757. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of the stuff we talked about with the pose method and you, you break it down into the little chunks. It's funny because I complain when I'm making my reels. It's like you want to elaborate more. Um, <laughs> but now hard. when I see this, it was something I'm not really an expert in. It's very helpful to see these little teeny clips because um, it just makes you think or reinforces certain things, you know. Yeah, my idea, especially with the reels, is that you'll watch, you know, you'll watch – 30 minutes of reels before you sit down and watch my 30 minute video on yep. running form. And, you know, I just hope that over time people will start to put together those pieces yeah. and really, uh, you know, kind of figure it out. You got it. You got a drone or something like I do have a drone. Yeah. I do. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I see your videos with the drone and I'm like, man, I got to step it up. You better. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> a master with it yet. And it's, it's tough to do it by yourself because so you are doing it by like this one here. Let me see it. Is that by yourself? Yeah. So that means you have to like set your phone and your controller down and it'll track you. So you can oh, wow. oh, that's and it'll sick. track you. But it's never as good as like if someone else were to be flying, flying in and behind tracking. you. But it's I mean it's it's handy. It Except makes for a dope package. video. Yeah. Yeah, but you gotta put your phone down and the controller and run away from it. Mm-hmm. So now like you're away from all this yeah. expensive equipment. Seagull comes and gets it. <laughs> and you're trying not to turn around to yeah. look at it. Yeah. And if you know something happens with the drone. You don't have the controls. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, make sure you have, you know, mm. like a wide open space and no one's going to come snatch up your gear. Yeah. Do you live out near Buckworld Beach? Yeah, I live uh, so a block from the beach. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. This, man, it's... That drone video was definitely not at Buckworld Beach, though. <laughs> this one here? That's a... It's not a, a drone friendly area. Oh, okay. Oh, oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, that, yeah, yeah. This we don't have to go into the specifics, man. This one here, um, yeah. That's that's uh, in South Carolina's beach, right? Folly Beach. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it was at. Speaking of Buckrow Beach, um, yeah, it's like we we did a, a group workout there the other weekend, and which I, that might might not have been a Buckrow Beach. I'm not sure, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, they've, it's nice out there, man. They've yeah, done a lot. They've definitely hooked it up. Uh, this past you know fall and winter, they were doing a ton of work out there, just redoing the whole boardwalk, putting out all those benches and swings and. Yeah, it's, it's a. It's it makes really people nice. want to go out there. I've been down there for like ten years now, living out there, mm-hmm. and I've just seen you know the, the transformation. It's it's pretty yeah. awesome. People are still afraid of it. They're still going to Fort Monroe instead. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, just come check it out. Yeah. I, I swear it's okay. <laughs> yep. They'll be like, nah, there's guys out there with you know, but uh, with drones. Yeah, with drones. <laughs> um, but cool. So did you you know any last thoughts or things you want to share? Um, what's the best way for someone to like? contact you or yeah if they if they want your coaching or anything like that yeah if you want to reach out to me about coaching uh best place or the easiest way is just to hit me up on instagram like gary was saying coach dex underscore seven five seven um if i wanted to give just you know one short specific piece of information about running to you know make you more efficient almost immediately something actionable Pulling your foot off of the ground is the only thing that you actively do in running. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of passive or reactionary yeah. to pulling your foot off of the ground. So when you're running, the number one thing I want you to think about is pull or up or whatever word helps you think about getting your foot mm-hmm. up off the ground. Just think up, 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 rather than reaching forward. You don't think about the foot that's in the air mm-hmm. because you don't have to land your foot. You know, if you don't think about putting your foot down, it's still going to land. Yeah. You know, gravity yeah. will land your foot. Your goal is to pull your foot up off the ground to get you into the air. So when you pull one foot up, you're in flight phase, then your other foot will automatically come down to catch you. And if you didn't do anything to it, mm-hmm. it's going to land pretty close to your center of gravity. Yeah. And then again, just think up, pull, 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 and you'll feel lighter, springier almost immediately. And it's all about yeah. just kind of hanging on to that feeling. Do you like people to kind of have that cue in those words and then um – kind of repeat it in their head and, and give them a, you know, direction to kind of mentally go. Yeah. My athletes tell me all the time that they hear me in their head. It's mm-hmm. like, pull, 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 yeah. pull. Cause if we're doing drills, that's what I'm saying. I got the metronome yeah. on. I'm like, pull, 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 yeah. pull. And it's, it's helpful, man. Yeah. 
Because you need, it's good to have that awareness on your movement. Because I think what happens a lot of times is people just mentally crumble and like, let me just get through this, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no awareness on their movement, right? Yeah. And then you go back to the walking movement pattern, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of what the big cushiony shoes have allowed to happen. Yeah. You know, barefoot, for most people, you know, people who haven't, you know, really ingrained that bad movement pattern yet, you know, when you're walking barefoot, you, you know, have a certain amount of pressure on your heel, mm-hmm. then you start running and that pressure increases, which kind of gives you the feedback, hey, it's time to switch from yes. walking form to running form, which are two different movement patterns. Yeah. But when you've got that big cushiony heel, you don't feel that pressure increase on your heel, so you maintain that walking movement pattern into running. Yeah. So now you're walking, but with like these big giant loping steps and it's, uh, it's yeah. beating you up. And the longer you do it, the more it's ingrained, the harder it is to break, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that people have to realize and as a coach is like, you, you have to put in the boring work and do the boring work, but it, you'll be worth it. If you break through that, you'll probably improve your running times. You'll probably have less injuries. And you're going to feel pain, better about pains, the whole process. Yeah. And just enjoy it more. Right. I think a lot of people only think that, you know, running drills and working to improve your running form is like meant for like a certain caliber mm-hmm. of athlete. Yeah. Like I'm not, com- I'm not competitive. I'm not going to the Olympics. I don't mm-hmm. have to focus on my running form or do drills. I just have to go out and run. But I mean, if you're running, likely you have the goal of being a better runner. Yeah. And how you become a better runner is by working on it yeah. and hitting those drills. It's like, have you ever seen the documentary, uh, Gyro Dreams of Sushi? I haven't seen that. So it's good. This is an old guy and he's in Japan, has like a, what do they call like a Michelin five-star restaurant mm-hmm. and it's sushi, right? Super simple. But he, he's so obsessed with every single part of the process, you know, he'll be like, oh, how can I, should I cook the rice at like one degree different temperature and where's the water coming from? And, and then also then rolling the sushi. But essentially it's like these same elements, but it's just like, how can I get a little bit better? Right? And he's been doing it for forever. Yeah. And that's where you find uh, you know, the motivation and the excitement and the momentum in, you know, the little pieces of the process. So someone could be like, oh, it's just running. It's just yeah, moving from point A to point B. If you do that, yeah, then you are maybe always going to need some kind of like external motivation and you fall on and off. But if you can fall in love with like you said with, yeah, man, let me let me get from, you know, to pull my foot and these little cues and a little bit better and that gives you mo- uh, momentum, to, yeah. and then you in, you fall in love with that, and it, it makes it uh, feel effortless because you're you're just focused on all these little components. Yeah. You've got something to think about. I always try to tell people when you're running, you know, think about something that's going to help you, mm-hmm. and you know, having these ideas of what you're supposed to be doing, having a better understanding of running will make it more enjoyable. I rarely even run with headphones because I've got something to think about, and it's yeah. my technique. Yeah, that's one thing. So at one point, I went through a phase running when I was out in California because the weather was so good. You almost look for reasons to be outside every sure, day. So I was like, and I actually did, it was like the Mathetone method, which was like, yeah, walk, run, and keep your uh, similar principles, keep your, um, in that aerobic zone most of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things I, I noticed most to, it would help with my breathing, but he recommended not using headphones and music because then you, you're not paying attention to your internal cues. And I was like, that's crazy. I can't, I can't do that. But man, once I got used to it, which didn't take long, like one or two times, really, it was, it made it actually, it just made it more enjoyable and more, I mean, it sounds like hip hippie and stuff, but you just kind of like connect a little better. Yeah. You're more present in the run. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a meditation. Yeah. 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 Well, we appreciate your time coming on. Yeah. Um, you know, we might have to dive in even more that we scratch the surface. So people always reach out with details because we could probably do a whole episode on just, you know, the foot strike, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, yeah, Dexter, thanks. And if you want to reach out, hit him up on Instagram. Um, and yeah, enjoy enjoy all his content. There's a ton, so. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I actually have a running clinic coming up okay. on July 8th, I want to say, whatever that weekend is. Mm-hmm. So uh, be on the lookout for that as what well. Is, what's kind of the title of it or just gen, in general, like all, all over type running or is there a specific topic? It's going to be on pose method. Pose, okay. okay. So just like teaching people the pattern, kind of teaching them the science behind it, giving them a conceptual grasp of what running actually is. And then we'll be doing drills and video analysis and all that good stuff. Cool. Where's Sweet. it at? It'll be at 757 Rock. Okay. So yeah, if you're in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area, 757 Rock is in Oyster Point City Center. Um, and yeah, connect with Dex and I'm sure he, he can give you the details on getting set up for that event. Sure can. All right, guys. 
girls, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. See ya. As always, thanks for listening, guys. If you want to learn more, check us out at CoastalFitnessVA.com or GaryDeagle.com. We'll see you next time.